0: We as a church have been talking about pursuing our pursuing vision this year. And so today, as I've been in prayer, I have felt very strongly and reluctantly actually to share on developing and fulfilling your ministry. When I came to Life Center a few weeks ago, I tried to teach on this and I didn't really get far. And so I want to go into it a lot more. Um, this is really coming out of my forthcoming book on the fivefold ministry. So you can register your name if you want to. Amen. All right. (laughs) Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for these great men and women. Thank you for the work you're doing in our lives. We pray that that work will last forever. In Jesus name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4 from verses verses 5 to 8. I sense these verses have been something that the Holy Spirit keeps reiterating in my spirit every time we gather as leaders or as workers. And uh, I just can't seem to shift from these particular verses when I am addressing us corporately um, as a group. He says in verse 5, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amen. All right, so I want to just really talk to you about some key guidelines, I think it's 10, on what I consider will help you to develop and fulfill the ministry that God has given to you. Now, please don't be thrown thrown off by the word ministry. When we talk about ministry, we're just talking about that which God has entrusted to us to serve others with. What God has given to us to serve others with. Everybody has a ministry. Every born-again man or woman of God has a ministry, a legitimate ministry that God has given to you that is your unique contribution to help establish the purposes of God in the church and also in the world at large. And so I want to give you some guidelines that will help you in developing the ministry, whatever it is. Now, you might not even know what it is at the moment. That's okay. So you might be functioning and doing certain things, but in your heart, you do not believe that this represents the true ministry that God wants you to do. That's okay. So I want you to pay attention, focus, and I want to give time so that you can ask questions. I'm not going to be like Pastor John. I'm going to try try and uh, give time so that you can ask questions. So he's going to hold me to that now. Um, So I have to make sure that I, I, I give enough time for questions. Amen. All right. So here are the guidelines. Number one, I'm going to rush through them and then I'm going to focus on some. Number one, if you want to develop and fulfill your ministry, whatever it is, even if you don't know what it is, the first thing, You must surrender to God's will. You must surrender your life to God's will. As a default position, you must surrender your life to God's will. Secondly, like he says in these verses, you must be, you must learn to be watchful in all things. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Watchful in all things. Number three, discern your burden. Discern your burden, the burden on your heart. Number four, don't worry, we'll come back to these. So, if you don't write them all then, it's okay. Number four, pursue your vision. Pursue your vision. Number five, devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Number six, feed on the word of God. Feed on the word of God. Number seven, study your area of interest. Study your area of interest. Number eight... Good. Number eight. I should have given out these notes. I'm sorry. Number eight. What's number seven? Number eight. Serve when opportunity arises. Don't worry, we'll come back to them. Serve when opportunity arises, and I'll get the notes out to you, all right? So, don't worry, I'll get the notes out to you. So, just listen, it's being recorded, it it will cost you 20 pounds, they said, no, not really, no. It's being recorded, you can access it for free, and so forth, okay. Number nine, be fathered by a mature minister. And number ten, respond to God's timings. All right, so I know I've just whisked through these. So let's talk about this. If you want to fulfill your ministry, if you want to develop your ministry, as a younger believer, this was a real passion of mine, a real burden on my heart to develop and to fulfill the ministry that God had for me. And many a times when I would go to like a conference, I would focus my, my heart and my attention to hear what the Spirit will say to me about my ministry. So, I would go to conferences, I would go to retreats, I would go to seminars with this mindset where I want to hear something that will empower me to fulfill the call of God upon my life. Because how you hear is very important. How you hear will determine what God gives to you according to our Lord Jesus. So, I learned this secret very early to filter what I am hearing through the lens of the ministry that God has called me to. And because of that, I found many sessions that I'll go to, I found them very useful. The person speaking could be very boring, but still, they would say something that would help me concerning my ministry. So the first is surrender to God's will. Matthew chapter 6, 10, he says this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the Lord's prayer. And the, the kingdom of God or the rule and the reign of God is really the same as God's will being expressed in a given context. And this is the heart of the Father when it comes to our lives. That his kingdom and his will will be done in us as it's already been decreed in heaven. So being surrendered to God's will is paramount to our ability to develop the ministry we have and to fulfill his purpose for our lives. Our Lord Jesus says, will it it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? So when it comes to what you are supposed to do with your life, you must always give yourself... seeking to do what God requires of you. Whether it's a big picture thing or whether it's a small area of your life, you must train yourself to surrender your heart to what you know to be the will of God. And uh, without this surrender in your heart, without this default position in your heart, Whatever you then seek to do will be no different from what the world does. You know, we are not pagans. We are not people who don't know God. And therefore, we have to be a people that are continuously conscious about his will for our lives. You know, at times people make the will of God out to be some kind of big mystery. It's not a mystery for the born-again believer. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 10, he says this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. There is an expectation on us to be able to discover what is acceptable and what is not acceptable when it comes to our lives? The challenge with most believers is they do not like to know what is acceptable to the Lord. And sometimes you hear bizarre things. The other day Pastor Peter was telling me that one of the uh, our ministers in, in Kenya, not the one that Prof was highlighting, but another one in Kenya was actually telling him that we should adopt certain tricks to get money out of God's people. Now, (laughs) Peter was so flabbergasted that he said, we do not do that in CLF. Now, this is an outsider. We do not do that in CLF. So he then said to him, go and pray and see if God wants you to do it. So then after this man prayed, he then came back and told Peter that God says he should do it. Outrageous nonsense. If you are listening, you know who you are. If you are listening, I think this is life. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You better repent. And I'm not even joking. It's very, very important that we as believers are walking as light in the Lord. And when it comes to the purpose of God for your life, you cannot compromise. I never, when it comes to what God wants me to do, I, I have learned this, to first ask him what he requires before I decide if I can do it. I never decide that I'm willing to do something and then ask God, what do you want me to do? Why? Because if I do that, I will limit God to my circumstance or to my ability. God will always require of you that which you are incapable to do in your own strength. That which your circumstances will make it a challenge for you to fulfill. That's why you need grace. So surrendering to his will is very important. We won't go there any longer. Secondly, be watchful in all things. He says it in 2 Timothy 4, 5. He says to him, but you be watchful in all things and do afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That word to be watchful in the Greek speaks of being aware, speaks of being sober, being discreet. It speaks of a calmness and awareness in the face of challenge and hardship. Why is this important? You see, when he said to Timothy, endure afflictions, Timothy had physical afflictions, and he had environmental afflictions. He was the bishop of the church of Ephesus. It was a very challenging work. He was a young man, and he was a young man that was pastoring a, a church of thousands. And as such, there was all kinds of pressures. Paul said, If after the man of men, I have fought beasts, I have fought beasts in Ephesus, why then do we continue to stand in jeopardy? In other words, in Ephesus, he experienced tremendous challenge. If you read the book of Acts, you find that he had to deal with a certain goldsmith, you know, a certain metal worker, sorry, who challenged him. And at one point, the whole town, the whole city of Ephesus rose up for three hours shouting, great is Diana of the Ephesians. The opposition there was tremendous. And this young pastor, who was an apostle and a pastor and an evangelist, had this responsibility. And he also had physical illness. He had stomach problems. And his personality was not outgoing. He was a very shy young man. Wow, what a combination. And yet, he was willing to pastor this great church. You know, in CLF, some of our pastors in some of the other countries, a lot of the leaders here who've been with us like 10 years or so can pastor them. But some of them are pastoring three, four churches. Some of them have raised up their own sons. Why? Because they've made themselves available. And I'm saying that to say this, that if you are not willing to be alert, to be watchful in North Israel means to be alert about your life, about God's requirements, about your environment, you will relegate yourself to a position that will cause you not to fulfill God's purpose for your life. If we are not careful, we will, um, we will allow things that we have not planned for or legitimate responsibilities of life to short circuit our call and the duties that our ministry requires. Beloved, let me tell you something. As you grow older, life doesn't get easier. It gets more complicated. Your complexity increases. I'm seeing some of our young leaders, our, our kind of the, the next level of leaders uh, with young families, I'm seeing some of them having this attitude whereby they now say things like this. They think that by By um, prioritizing their families, it, it means they must neglect their legitimate responsibilities to the kingdom of God. Beloved, you have to be very careful of that paradigm. Because that kind of paradigm will make you vulnerable to the manipulation of the enemy. That's why you have to learn to pattern your life after those who have gone ahead of you. Look at people like Enoch. look at people like Enoch and Abigail, and how they loved their children and brought up their children, or people like Les Isaac and Louise, how they brought up their children, or Cameron Grivy and Hazel when they were with us, how they brought up their children. Look at that as an example. If you like, look at me and Aisha, if you like. Or John and Vivian. Look at how we brought up our families and use that as a pattern. But the, the kind of things that some, I see some doing, they make themselves vulnerable to the enemy. Beloved, we are in a warfare. So when he says, be watchful in all things, it is important. Why? Because, you see, Timothy, and then he says, do the work of an evangelist. Why did he say that? Because Timothy was pastor in a church. And if anybody pastors a church, they'll tell you this. You don't have time for anything else if you want to do it properly. Am I, am I correct? Yeah. You know, even if you're pastoring like 20 people, you try and look after 20 people. Just one of them falls sick, and your whole life can your whole life you have to read, then five of them fall sick. Yeah, it's not simple. Life gets complicated. But he told not do the work of an evangelist because the danger of pastoring is you neglect one other area of ministry. And the key is learning to be alert. When you are alert and watchful, it prevents you from prioritizing one important responsibility that you face over another. Family is important. Your health is important. Your vocation, your work is important. But your ministry is also important. And don't tell me my family is my ministry. All of us, our family is our ministry, honestly. it's like, I'm so glad that I have more children than some of these people. They have one, two, I have three. I'm not on the level of Zen and Sandra. Five. <laughs> but the point is, is this, is that you have to be watchful in all things if you are going to stay focused on the assignment God has for your life. This thing is a long road. There was one man One of our sons wrote a song, long road, long road, long road. It's a long road. It's a long road. And if you're not careful, if you don't have wisdom, you will end up compromising in an area that you're not supposed to and make yourself vulnerable to things you don't need. Third area, discern your burden discern your burden. Your, your burden speaks of your passion. And like the prophet said yesterday, your passion will eventually lead you to your purpose and calling. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the scriptures that we read earlier on, he was telling us about the fact that the time of his departure was at hand. He had lived A life that was fulfilling his calling. And you might say to me, I don't know what my calling is, but you have a burden. Every man, woman of God, every child of God, in fact, even in the world at large, everyone has a burden of some kind. Look at the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 10 and 11, the NIV version. If you've got the NIV version, he says it like this. I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. I have seen the burden God, NIV version please. I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now what the scripture is showing us is this: that God, in His infinite wisdom, has given everyone some kind of burden. They' are saved and the' unsaved. But the key for them to fulfill that burden is to reconnect with God. He says that He has also set eternity in the human heart. Put back the verse. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom. What God has done from beginning to end. In other words, until you connect with God, you cannot fully understand the burden of your heart. All of us have a burden. Your burden refers to that which occupies your heart without effort. There are certain things without effort you lean towards. There are certain needs without effort you lean towards. As strange as this may sound to some of you, I am not one that when I, when I see somebody who is sick, I'm moved. I'm not, re- I know, that sounds really callous, isn't it? It's like, what? You don't even say that. No, they are sick. Life happens. People get sick. I don't get moved with, oh, what? No! We need to, I just think, you know, oh, dear, this is not good. I don't want it. But I don't get moved but some people, when they see people who are sick, they are moved. They, they literally feel like taking away that thing. Me, I don't. I feel like I've got enough problems of my own. I'm just being honest. But if I go into like an estate or if I go into an area uh, where people live, I just think, yeah, we can have a church here. And we can have a church here. Uh-huh, and uh, you, actually, you could, you could pastor that church. He's like, what? what? Yeah, yeah you, could, you could pastor that church. Or when it comes to talking about the gospel, I could be walking the street and I, if I hear two people talking about the gospel, their, their own business, I just can't help to, uh, yeah, you know, no, he's wrong. You're right. Because everybody has a propensity, a burden. Some people, like Pastor John was talking about making millions. That doesn't even interest me. In fact, we have these debates about this kind of thing. But there are some people, money interests them. It's not because they're bad people. <laughs> How many of you money really interests you? Aye, nobody's going to admit it. How many of you money really interests you? Yeah, you see, the pastor is admitting. huh. He's not even admitting. He's, he's glorifying in the grace of God. <laughs> Keep your hand up. I want to see you. Money really interests you. Don't lie. Money doesn't really interest you. I don't know why you're raising. Are you? I didn't say. I didn't say. I didn't say how many of you need money. I didn't say how many of you need money. All of us. I will be the first person to say I need money. Yesterday when we were praying and we asked for the oil and all of that, and then I've asked for the oil. I got my oil and all of that stuff. Now double portion, and I know it's happened. Then I think something went up about asking whatever you want. So I did. And one of the things I asked for was one billion U.S. dollars, so that we're clear. Not one million pounds or whatever, because you don't know with the pound these days. You don't know. You know. <laughs> and definitely not Nigerian Naira or Ghana CD, because that one, I just thought, well, let's go straight. I need one billion U.S. dollars for this vision. Yeah. I've already calculated how it's going to be used. Yeah. I was talking to one of my friends the other day about it, and he said to me, Joe, one billion, that's too much. You you don't know what one billion is. I said, you carry on. Everybody's got their life. You don't know the vision I'm carrying. What do you mean? No, no, to be honest, one billion is a starter. I need more. This world needs help. Yeah, we need to take the gospel in ways... I'm believing God will give me gold mines and diamond mines for the ministry. That's what I'm believing for. Yeah, I mean, but the truth is, I need God to raise champions for that. Because for me personally, I'm not really interested. I mean, Aisha has told me, don't give up your day job and try and try and go into some business. You're not that good. Yeah, once we try to sell some watches. And, and my wife just told me, return those watches to where it came from because you haven't, you're not called to this. So I humbly returned it back to the proprietor. <laughs> All right. Your burden is the area of ministry which by default you lean towards. And you must learn to identify your area of deep interest within God's kingdom. Some of us have a burden for the broken. I mean, when I look at someone like Alison Smith, she's a giant when it comes to this. She has a burden for the vulnerable, for the broken. You know, she goes to the prisons, and she's just at, and when I'm with her, and she's in prison, she's just at home, and she's just marching. I'm like, hey, where's this place This place taking us? How come she's not even lost? You need GPS in this place, like, they all look the same size. but she's just flowing and she has authority with the prisoners and some of these guys they are not you know yeah, yeah they are not easy the other day Philip even had to stop a fight as he was in the ministry Yeah, some of you need to go to prison in Jesus name <clears throat> but the point is your bird <laughs> your bird <burden, laughs> I'm not qualifying anything spiritual people. To the pure, all things are pure. I don't need to qualify anything. Proverbs 21 verse 1. He says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. Just like the king's heart is directed by the Lord, so also are those whose lives are surrendered to his will. Because as children of God, we are his kings and his priests through our Lord's redemptive work, he speaks to us in our hearts and directs us just like he does a king and directs us through the desires of our heart. I'm telling you, I'm not talking about carnal desires. I'm not talking about selfish desires. That's not what I'm talking about. We all know the difference. But Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, beloved, there are desires and true desires. And if we are honest, all of us, our true desire is to please the Lord. Don't let anybody fool you. You are a child of God. You're born again. Your true desire is to please the Lord. And so what happens is this. You've got other desires. But because your true desire is to please the Lord, what tends to happen is this. Even though you you say, like, let's say, I want this house or I want this car or I want this relationship, your true desire is only if it's your will. So what then begins to happen is as God deals with you, he also deals with those desires. Now, some of them, they go. Some of them, they don't go. But they become crucified. Crucified to the cross. And he says that, delight yourself also in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? It means this. It does not mean if you pray, you'll get what you want. It doesn't mean that. It means this. As you seek to delight or become molded, moldable in the Lord's hands, because that's what that Hebrew word is, become pliable. As you are pliable in the Lord's hands, your desires change to become his desires. And so he becomes committed to those desires. So when you learn to follow the passion of your heart, the Holy Spirit begins to guide your heart to the direction of his will for your life. So there'll be some things that you desire today, but in three, four, five years' time, they won't even interest you. But there'll be other things you desire today, in three, four, five years' time, they become very strong, and they become the dominant force that directs your life. is very important. So, therefore, you must learn to discern your burden and surrender it to the Lord. Quickly, pursue your vision. Pursue your vision. Our vision speaks of that which we are committed to see realized, either at a given point in time or throughout our lifetime. Now, all of us have a vision, whether you realize it or not. There is something that you are committed to 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 see realized in your life. You may not call it a vision, but that's exactly what it is. It's a vision. You have a vision. And that vision governs your activity. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11, he says, sorry, verse 18, he says, 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, keepeth the law, happy is he. This is the New King James Version. Your vision becomes the law that governs your heart, whether you realize it or not. In other words, where there is no vision, the individuals lose a sense of direction, have no boundaries to their life. They live unrestrained lives. But he that keeps the law, what law? It's not so much talking about the Torah, it's talking about the law that that vision entails. Happy is he. So when you are committed to the vision God has given to you, and you allow that to govern your life, then your life is blessed. Because every vision that God gives has within it all that the person needs to fulfill every aspect of his will for their life. Not everybody is called to be rich. Not everybody is called even to be married. Not everybody is called to have children. Not everybody is called to um, experience certain pleasures. Some people are called to it. Most people are called to a lot of these things. But there are some people who God has uniquely positioned on the earth not to experience certain things. Thank you so much. Oh, this is amazing service. Praise the Lord. Mm, more sugar would be also be great, but this is all right. <laughs> it is so important to discern what God's requirement is in your life. You see, for instance, let's take the issue of marriage. Now, in this church, we're big about teaching on marriage and so forth as important. But don't get it confused. I am convinced, and I'm, I really mean this sincerely, that to be single is a superior privilege to marriage. Aye, not one amen. But it takes, in my view, superhuman people, in my view, to be able to live a single life without a sense of dissatisfaction. Because the pressure, there are pressures. There are spiritual pressures. There are social pressures. There are physical pressures. There are emotional pressures. All kinds. But when you discern the vision of God for your life, whatever. Will bring your life meaning. He will empower you to fulfill. Amen. So I want to encourage you. Pursue your vision. When you know what that vision is, pursue it. Pursue it. If you don't know what it is, even what you're doing now, surrender it to God and He will guide you. What number are we on? Devote yourself to prayer. I don't want to say too much on this, but just to say this. I am one who struggles in prayer. I don't want you to ever think I don't struggle in prayer. I struggle in prayer. But I have found that if a believer learns to prioritize spending time with God, they save themselves a lot of hassle. And Spending, prioritizing spending time with the Lord is hard work. I spend a lot of time in prayer because I struggle in prayer. And sometimes to be able to pray for 20 minutes unbridled, I need three hours. Because there's so much things. Now, not all of you have such control over your time. But I just want to encourage you to be able to see this as a vital priority. Start small, but work towards it. But never let up when it comes to prayer. In Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful or being alert and thankful. Why? Because if you don't devote yourself to prayer, the chances are you will not be alert, you will not be vigilant, you will not be watchful, and you will be, the enemy will succumb you. You can have a great service like we did yesterday, where you hear the prophetic like we did yesterday, where you, ex- where you experience the presence of God like we've done the last few days, and wake up this morning and be down in the dumps. Because every day has a new challenge. And I'm not one to shy away from when I get down. But I know when I get down, that at times, when I get down, I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. Because... I'm just going to be even, I'm going to be, I'm going to sin. Let's just be clear. I'm just going to, I might even swear. You know, sometimes people don't know that pastors know the swear words as well. We we also know the swear words, you know. We know them. I'm not going to say any of them. I'm just saying we know the swear words. Sometimes when you're under pressure, how many of you have been under pressure, leaders of the Most High God? You've been under pressure. And there is a word that wants to come out, and it's not hallelujah. (laughs) So I have learned that during those times, I need to spend time with the Lord to get my Holy Ghost fixed. Yeah, because otherwise, I am just going to be like a gremlin. So then my children will call a family meeting, and they'll say, Daddy, these days you're very grumpy. They'll tell me plain we've got something again, we, so we have these family meetings and they'll just say, and they'll say, yeah, daddy, it's about you. And I say, okay, what is it? These days you're very grumpy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. And then Joel will say, yeah, daddy, yeah, you're very grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm joking? They think I'm joking. <laughs> it's true. So I have to pray. And you have to pray. I said, minister, if you want to develop your ministry, quickly, because of time, just just something worth saying, burnout in ministry is the inevitable consequence for the individual, the minister, who functions without a vibrant and consistent prayer life. It's just going to happen, no matter how anointed you. And I've seen many anointed people who end up disillusioned with the church disillusioned in ministry. Let me tell you, I've been in ministry for 25 years and I can tell you, it's very easy to be discouraged. Amen? You said amen to that? No, you shouldn't say amen to that. You should just look at me. But it's very easy to be discouraged because life is complicated. Church leadership is complicated. Even leadership generally is complicated. It's not simple. You would say before God, from today, I'm going to be totally committed to the work of God. Not God, God. I'm going to be totally committed. And then within two days, you end up committing a temptation, yielding to a temptation that you've never yielded to before. How many of you that's happened to before? Hey, these people. It's not happened to anyone here. Where you've you've said, from now, I am going to seriously serve the Lord. And then, within a day or two, sometimes even the same day, the evening, you end up yielding to the most craziest of temptation. And you feel like you've disqualified. How many of that's happened to you before? Hey, There's still a lot of hands that are down, Bishop. That's why prayer is important. Because when that happens, the enemy will tell you, don't even bother praying." pray. That's when you need to run to prayer. That's when you need to secure yourself in the presence of God. All right, quickly, because of time, there's one or two I want to dwell on. Feed on the word. I don't want to dwell on that, even though that's really important. The Bible is very important. You must feed on the word. It's very important if you want to fulfill your ministry. And then number, what number? Study your area of interest. Again, that's very important. Very important, the area of interest. In your heart, the more you study it, the more you become effective in it. The scripture tells us, Second Timothy two fifteen, study to show yourselves approved to God. A workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's great, but I don't want to dwell there. Here's where I want to dwell. Two areas. Serve number what number? Eight. Serve when opportunity arises. If you want to fulfill the ministry God has called you to, and all of us, there is a sense of greatness that God has invested in us there are people who are doing amazing work today because of how faithful they were in their younger days serve when opportunity arises Ecclesiastes eleven four. 4 he who observes the wind will not sow he who regards the clouds will not reap what he's teaching us is this Don't wait for the perfect environment before you step out to fulfill God's will in ministry. Don't wait for the perfect environment before you step out to do what you feel needs to be done. Once you hear the go from the Lord, you do what you're supposed to do. You learn to do what you're supposed to do. Why? Because your life, will be governed by the opportunities you embrace or let go of. Whether you like it or not, there are things that came your way in your past that you did not recognize, and those that opportunity is gone. But now and in the future, there will be other things that will come your way that you must learn to take advantage of. One of the best ways to fulfill the, vision, the, the calling of God upon your life is to take advantage of the opportunities that comes your way regardless of your circumstance. You've heard me share this many times. When, my, when the Lord was training me in ministry, most of the times when my pastor would ask me to minister were times when I had experienced, in my view, some kind of failure. In my view, it would be at times when I wasn't sharp spiritually. In my view, it was at times when my pastor would ask me to come and teach or preach uh, to the whole church, where during the seasons when I was going through my low times in the Lord. When I was going through my high times in the Lord, nobody even looked at me. When I was ready to give them the prophetic armory of God, nobody considered me. When I was on fire and full of the Holy Ghost and ready, where's the devil, let's deal with him, there was no devil being served for me. When I felt like I had just failed God, I was just a loser. I wasn't up to it. And I just wanted everybody to leave me alone. I'll get a phone call, Joseph? My pastor in his Irish accent, Joe, I can't do it, but let's try. Joe, can you preach this Sunday? And I'll be like on the phone. But then you hear, oh, yes, sir, of course. But I'll be like, why? Because that was a time I wasn't ready for preaching. And that happened to me over and over. You've heard me say this many times, some of you. And you're saying, yeah, we've heard it before, move on. But, but that happened over and over. Because in the work of God, most of the times you're not feeling like doing anything. Is that right? Right. Hey, Sunday, is ready to go to church. You think, if only we could sleep. You're, you're ready to preach, and it's like, oh. and then you turn up. The other day, I was talking to my, my, my fellow ministers who lead white majority churches. And uh, I said to them, how do you guys deal with punctuality? Because I keep being told by others, this is a black thing. This is a black thing. And I suspected it's a generational thing, but I, I've, I just kept quiet. So I said, how do you do? And they said, oh, man. <laughs> I said, it's awful. When it's worship time, there's only a few people there. I said, eh. So I said to Andrew Boba, I hope you're listening. "Say oh, it's bad. I said, what about you? He said, oh, it's terrible. Since we start morning service, it's the same thing. People come late. And I said, oh, okay, so we're not the only ones then. Oh, okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is that sometimes you're doing the work of God. Worship team, you've prayed, you've Fasted, you're ready to lead, you've done your practices harmonizing like the angels, and then you turn up. And he says time to lead in worship. And you look at the congregation. Five, three, two, one, seven. Let's all get ready. 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 And after you've given your best, then they're all strolling at the end. <laughs> if you're not careful, I've, I quit. I just quit. <laughs> all right. You know what? I'm not. I'm not gonna have enough time. Let's stop. Let's ask, give you room for questions. Questions and answers. Questions and answers. Any questions? Okay. So I'm giving you opportunity to ask questions. All right. Now, whilst I'm giving you opportunity, let me just um. Say something else. Um, So that... (laughs) Okay, yeah. Mm. Burnout in life, not just ministry. Burnout in ministry and in life, one of the same. How I believe you have to learn balance, you have to learn the rhythms of your life, and you have to learn what is right and appropriate for the Lord uh, as part of your worship. So, first and foremost, there are certain things you can't control if you want to have a reasonable life. If, you're, if, you, if you have children, you have to do the school runs. Um, <laughs> if you're working, you have to get up and go to work. There are certain things you can't control. There are certain things you can control. Your levels of entertainment. Uh, our generation and the generation after us is such, we have a lot of entertainment. But it takes a lot of our time and energy, more than we realize. Um, there are, there are, we have, if we work, we have a certain amount of holiday time, right? What I find is that at times people don't use that strategically. They would work like a, a donkey, excuse me to say, and then go on a holiday and go on a holiday and behave like another donkey, like just everything. I'm going on the right. I'm going on this. I'm going on that. I'm going on this. I'm going on that. And they'll come back from the holiday. <laughs> so what I would encourage you to do is, is to learn the rhythms of your life, a proper rhythm that brings balance. What is appropriate rest? What is appropriate energy that you give to things? How do you serve your family serve the house of God, serve the ministry at large, enjoy a quality of life that is meaningful with your family and your friends. And you have to have balance. So there are certain things you have to learn to say no to. And I would add, for me personally, I would add for every believer, your times with the Lord. You learn to get strengthened from the Lord in prayer and in his presence. For me, it's very important. Um, That For me has been my secret to be frank with you that's protected me from burnouts and at times i've needed to take days not a few days because one i need to physically rest and then i need to unwind and then i need to connect and i can't do that in three hours or two hours um and also i've learned to use my holidays especially i mean now it's a lot easier because i have a lot more control but when I used to work 9 to 5, I used my holidays in a way that helped me to stay fresh. So I'll take days off just to rest. Um, and and th- these are the things that I learned. So you have to learn what would work for you. Um, learn to say no. S- say no. And then learn to say yes to the things you should say yes to. Yeah. Right. Any other questions? No other questions? OK. Sure. Uh-huh. Okay. So, I I would say it like this. Um whatever God calls you to do, there will be a resistance. But the joy that you have and the ability to do it will be clear, right? So Paul had a lot of resistance. I mean, he was beaten up and all of that. But in terms of the actual work, the preaching and the teaching, it's natural, right? So if the teaching and the preaching was not natural, then there's something wrong, right? So let's say, for instance, you, um, I don't know what area, let's say that you're an author, right? So let's say you believe you're called to be an author. Okay, great. There's a difference between being called to be an author and being an author. So you and I know that if you write this writer's block, and writer's block can go on for months, right? But it doesn't mean you're not a writer. There will still be the burden there, there will be other areas where it will flow. But let's say you start to write, and what you write is actually garbage. When people read it, it makes no sense. Once upon a time, there was a cow that became a jacket, and then the cow was walking the street, and then you say, I've written my book. And then you keep repeating, once upon a time. And then, then chapter 2, once upon a time, there was a jacket with a racehorse. And then um, chapter 3, once upon a time, there was a frog that became a man. And then chapter 4, once upon a time. We know you're not called to, to anything. You're not, you're not no offer. You're not, seriously. Right? So, <laughs> honestly, let's give us a break. So, so, <laughs> so. It's like me now. I had this thing. I, I wouldn't mind being a footballer, you know, a footballer. Seriously, that's just ridiculous. Look at me. Can, do I look like I can be a footballer? But that's, that is nonsense. If I tried to be a professional footballer, on so many levels, it would be ridiculous. Nobody in their right mind would pay any money to watch me kick football. Nobody. I mean, it would be lo- people who have lost their minds that would actually pay me money to be... You see, you're even laughing, some of you. So, when you are called to something, there will be an ability that comes with it. There will be an ability. Uh, now, you can develop that ability, but the ability will be there. But there will be also something else. There will be a passion, a burden for it. You, your heart wants to do the thing. And for me, even if you have the ability, but your heart is no longer in it, You need to ask questions because maybe the season for it is over. You see, I mean, your heart, God uses your heart to guide you much more than you realize. And I always can tell for myself when I'm out of balance is when I'm no longer enjoying what I'm doing. I'm no longer looking forward to preaching. I'm no longer looking forward to a counseling session. Believe it or not, I actually like doing counseling. You see, that's another thing. I actually like People coming to see me and telling me their problems. And then we listening. Yeah, what's the matter? I really like it. I don't, I don't feel, oh, who's, who's, who's the, oh, I don't have that. I enjoy it. But when I notice who, who's next, and I'm like, oh, mm, then I know no, am I need to, and I just say, let's cancel all the counseling for now. Let me reconnect. Because there's no desire. There's no joy. These are some of the guidelines, the ways you can tell. Any other questions, please? So and then um Okay, now I'm not a woman who's a homemaker, so I'm gonna get a, a few women who are in the ministry as well, if give them opportunity. Are there any women in the house who would like to answer this question? Aisha Buedu, are you one of these women? <laughs> 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 any other woman?
1: I think first and foremost, what Joseph said about having your... The
0: question question is, how do you balance between ministry and family life, especially as a woman with children? Yes? And I'll talk about a man as well.
1: I think first and foremost, the most important thing for any one of you, a man or a woman, husband or wife, is having your connection with the Lord. Because that's what helps you... um, understand the balance of your life and understand the seasons that you're in. Now there are some seasons as a woman, even if you're called in ministry, there are seasons when you have to take a step back from ministry and see your family as ministry. And there are seasons where you can do less in the home and do more out in the church field as well. But I think the key thing is getting your cues from the Lord and not violating one principle by another. Another issue is having clear communication with the head of your home, which is your husband, and then your spiritual head, which is the pastor of the church, and having honest and frank conversations with them. So if you feel like it's getting too much, you have a conversation and don't start panicking and making decisions based out of your fear or your carnality that could actually, in the long term, shortchange what God wants to do in your life. But I think the key thing is having um, your relationship with God first and recognising the different seasons that you're in and having communication, because sometimes as women, we can get it out of sync. Um, and it's important that we have a, a, a sounding board where we can say, this, I'm feeling, this is what I think, what do you would you think? But it does require discipline, it's not easy. The same way you can't have a career and raise a family because one of them will suffer, that's just the reality. In the same way, if your ministry and your family, you have to find the right season for what God's asking you to do now. Because when you've got young children, that's not the time to be going on missions that's the time to be raising your family and the same way you can't be saying no i haven't cooked any dinner because i'm going to the prayer meeting because god's watching you and it's an order is very important spiritual order (laughs) um
2: everything that Pastor Aisha said, I totally agree. But I think also as well, there are seasons and times in your life that the Spirit of God will call you to do something in terms of in the ministry. But um <clears throat> one of the things I found that when the Lord began to speak to me is um the Lord spoke into my heart that He will look after my family. As I obeyed Him, He will look after them. And so Everything that Pastor Aisha has just said in terms of times and seasons, I think you have to recognize when you have very small children, you can't be going on missions and doing certain things. But there are times when the Lord will require you to make that choice and it becomes a cost. And when you put that in God's hands, I have seen God literally cover and protect and, you know, go ahead of me in terms of my children and my family.
0: Amen. Clap for her as well. Yes. One more person. Um, Charlotte.
3: Yeah, I agree with what um, Pastor Aisha and Pastor Sharon said. Um, She's got big,
0: older children.
3: I've got four, three boys and a girl. Um, Mm -hmm. The first two will be 26 and 22 next week. And the third one is 19. The youngest will be 17 in about two weeks. Um, I agree with what my two sisters said. Uh, One one of the things that I will touch on is um, when the kids are young, you have to really, really get the balance right with the home and church. And speaking from a woman point of view, a mother and being in ministry as well, and a wife as well, um, it's okay to tell your husband, I can't go to prayer meeting today because um, I need to stay home with the kids. Because sometimes we tend to, oh, I I need to be a church. I need to be at church. I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to see to the congregation. But you've got young children that at the same time, too, they need you. So all that I would top it up with um, being a woman in ministry, especially when you've got young children, see to either the kids come first, and it's okay not to go to church activities to see to your children. Secondly, it's not too much okay when um, you have to cook and um, you're eating takeaway. You know, ladies, we tend to, oh, um, I don't know what the church is going to say if I don't do that, if I do that. All that I'll top it up with, as a lady in ministry, the season will come when there's certain things that you couldn't do when the kids were young, when they turn young adult age you'll be able to do. There's a lot of things that I didn't do when my kids were young. Because my husband will go more. I'll go most of the time, but I'll see to the kids. But now that they are adults and still growing, I'm free to do a lot of things.
0: Thank you. Some, clap for her. Yes.
3: <clears throat> so, um, the question I had in terms of the difference between ministry and calling. Sure. Because sometimes I think ministry, church stuff, Sure. And if you're like called to do, if you want, if your passion is to do things that are not really church related, as in business or something like that, is it that you're in church and then, okay, I'm an evangelist in church, on a Sunday I'll go out and preach, and then, do you see what I mean?
0: Can you just clarify it? Sure, so first of all, sorry, okay, you want to say, yeah, go ahead, yeah.
2: Yeah, how do we define ministry? Because you might not be in um, a choir or an usher, but you have a ministry. But it just seems like sometimes it's confined to church activities. Sure. Can you just
0: yeah? Yeah. Well, ministry is certainly not confined to church activities. Ministry, the word ministry is simply service, right? So we serve God, we serve um, our family, we serve our. Friends we serve our church, and we serve our, our world, you know, so ministry just service and uh, I think the difference between ministering in the house of God, which is the church, and ministering outside the house of God in the church outside the church has to do with a person 's gifting, a person 's burden a person 's availability. Um, These are the things that, these will be the drivers that will determine what a person can do. So, if you are gifted, let's say, to sing, and you are part of a church fellowship that needs singers, but you are also an accountant, then obviously, if you are able to, on a Sunday, you function as a psalmist of some form amongst the congregation, but you're not going to be singing in the boardroom. You are going to be an accountant in the boardroom because also your service to the world at large, and that service, as long as it's surrendered to God, is worship. But if it's just surrendered to mammon, then it's not worship. As in, you do it just for the money. Oh. Sure. Sure. SSA or a doctor. Or sure. Something like
3: that, and it had nothing to do with stuff within church.
0: Well, accountant. The accountant I was talking about has nothing to do with church either. No,
3: okay. Just say so you're a dentist. Sure. You're not going to go in church and deal with people. Do you see what I mean?
0: Yeah, but that so, is that is still, if you're doing that dentistry because you're trying to obey God's call upon your life, then that is so legitimate that's ministry. Of course, it is. It's oh. a service. You know, even in church, you can be singing and it, it's not worship unto God. It's just for self. That happens a lot as well, um, in church. Um, so it is it. Ministry has to do with service, you know. Um, whether it's in the church or in the world at large, it's, if it's as unto God, it is service. If it's as unto men, it is not service to, it is not service as worship, as you say. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: Can you explain how, if you're a dentist, you, you're doing it to God or to man? Can you give an example of sure.
0: when you... Sure, yeah. sure. So, for instance, can I explain if I'm a dentist, <laughs> I'm doing it to God. I'm pulling people's teeth out for God. (laughs) I'm going to try. If I'm doing... uh, Sorry. uh, You asked me a question. If I am doing that teeth extraction job because I believe this is what God wants me to do with the ability he's given me, and I'm doing it to honor him, then it is worship. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Wait, wait, no, these are the questions. Do I have to go on the mission field for it to be worship? It depends. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to give you straight yes and no just to make it easy. I want to make it difficult. Oh, you're going to help me. Go ahead. There, there was a woman in our local church who was a dentist.
2: <laughs> but her ministry, she felt she was it was her ministry because she was called by the Lord to set up a business, make money, and then give that to the church. It wasn't in the mission field, but actually, I think
0: what you're saying is specific to what the Lord is speaking to you about. Hold on. Hold on. Wait. Wait. Guys. 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 Listen to me. Listen to me. No, there's nothing wrong with what you're saying, but just listen, please. The earth is the Lord's. God cares about people, right? Every human being on this earth. So if I have an ability that helps humanity, and the reason why I'm doing that to help humanity is because my heart is surrendered to God, then that is worship. That is worship. If I have an ability and... That ability, let's say, is to preach, but I'm preaching because of money and to serve myself, then even though it's in the church, it is not worship and it is not pleasing to God. So it is whether what is the motivation behind what I'm doing. So the dentistry is a ministry and the money from the dentistry is another ministry. Amen. And we want all the ministry. <laughs> all right.
4: Uh, pastor Joe, <coughs> sorry, two questions. Mm-hmm. please, If I may, first one, uh, is there a right sequential order for the question that was before, which was, um, you know, we hear a lot of times, God first, then your family, then your church. Could you give a guideline as to if that is the right or if there's any such thing as the right sequential order? That's the first question. Secondly,
0: Let me try and get my head around the the sequential order.
4: How would you define what is positive stress or what is negative stress
0: in leadership or ministry? I I think it might be better if you define the positive stress and the (laughs) negative stress. (laughs) But anyway, the right sequential, I believe there is a right sequential order in our hearts. I believe it is God, first and foremost. I believe, secondly, it is our families. I believe, thirdly, it is his house. And I believe, fourthly, it is the world at large. However, there is an overlap between the house and the world at large. And it is this. Sometimes, in order to fulfill God's assignment, the priority has to be God, the family, and then the world at large because of the church. Other times, it is God, the family, the church, and the world at large. But I honestly believe that it is God first and then the family. And I honestly believe that if you have your life in balance, your family will not suffer whatever God has called you to. Because some, now listen, not every family can handle things on equal measure. Some families can handle it that their, has, their father is in the army. They're, because that's the mantle on and They're a military family. So their father can go for months and it's not a problem. Even though they will feel the pain, they, they understand. That's what comes with being a military family. And those who are involved in that, they know it. Those who have jobs like footballers, who especially the professionals who are always on tour and going from place to place, that affects family life as a season. That's understandable. But other families can't handle that. And so if, let's say, for instance, I became a professional footballer, <laughs> right? My family will find it difficult, my personal family will find it difficult with the traveling that would be involved in the way that is involved because it would upset the rhythm because they will not be used to it, you see. So I think, but at the same time, if God calls you to something and you have a family, you have a responsibility to involve your family in how it is done. So for instance, in our little setup, I might say to them, look, this particular week, I can't come to the family meals because I have to fast, believe it or not. I actually have to fast. And therefore, I can't come and I'm going to be in prayer. Now, they will understand and they will appreciate it. But if I never told them and I just did it, they will not understand. And so, I think that with a family life setting, there has to be a healthy way of how you administrate what God has called you to. I hope that helps. Now, the second question about positive stress and negative stress, I think I will leave that to a more better qualified engineer. Um yeah, what's your hand? How do you know that? Yeah, but you see, that's my point. You see, you. you, Okay, fine. Sure. Because we don't know who puts God first and who doesn't. I know you. I know you. Yes, I know. I know. Yes, 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 yes. Have
3: you
0: finished? It's not straightforward. You're absolutely right. It's it's not straightforward. It's complicated, but the priority has to be clear. The challenge that I have at times, what I see with people is this. They say God first, family, and then vocational, church, or whatever, but actually they don't know how to prioritize their life. So what tends to happen is this. The space that, let's say, belongs to the church, because they did not deal with the space that belonged to the family properly, it encroaches on that. And the space that belongs to the, their vocation, because that they did not put God where he's supposed to be, rather they put the vocation there, it affects everything else. So, for me, I personally believe that in our hearts, the order of priority is God's family and, and the area of church or vocation is dependent on the individual and the, the specific circumstance. But I am convinced that for the born-again believer, your local church plays a vital aspect to your holistic development in the will and purposes of God. Because most of the times, we don't, as believers, we don't really appreciate this until there's a crisis. You know, if there's a death, if there is a, some kind of crisis catastrophe you need some kind of input that's when you realize the value of someone like the church and so forth it's a bit like an insurance policy you don't really care about any insurance company until you need your insurance claim then suddenly you're looking for the papers you know and making sure and, so, and sometimes church can be like that yeah all right um other questions other people over here thank you Sorry, we're just going a bit more into the questions, and then uh, um, I've been given some instructions here that your food has been delayed. So, yeah. so you know, um, I could have even finished my wonderful teaching. Yeah. Um,
5: I just wanted to go back to the um, the question on ministry being in church, or ministry being out of church, i.e. the dentist. Um, one of the things that Pros spoke about was about your passion leading to your ministry, and... As long as you are following your passion, because that passion comes from God, and then somehow, um, you know, I don't know, I just, I can only, like, use my own experience um, in that the passion for music and the music worship ministry um, has enabled me then to study and then to become a teacher and then in becoming that teacher, I've discovered another purpose of the influence that I'm now having on young people. And that is, that's not in the church, but it's the next generation. So in being faithful in that, um, God has a way of mo- making everything come together. So as long as you are faithful in every step of the way and you, you know that you're following what he wants you to do and that passion, because now the passion for young people is changing me again so it's not like you get to one thing and then you stop and then you 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 do that it, it it builds on and it builds on and as you go through life then the lord reveals more and more and more and more of your purpose so as long as you follow each step invite make sure that it's what god wants you to do then it becomes clearer and clearer and then the ministry because that ministry then i, I don't do youth ministry in church but I'm a secondary school teacher, so my ministry is out there. See, I hope that helps.
0: Yeah. All right, Esther. Oh, sorry. I beg your pardon. Sorry. I think coming back to the balancing of
3: life, sorry, I just need some clarification. I think more so for the um, pastor's wife. How do you deal with your husband not being there or when they have to be away from home. How do you cope with it? Because God look at our heart. We can all pretend that we're okay with it. But God is looking at your heart. Sometimes you might feel, oh, why does the church have to take my husband away? How do you kind of deal with that issue?
0: They asked you, so hey. How did you cope?
1: Okay, um, you cannot get away from the fact that ultimately you have to have a connection with the Lord. You have to be walking with Jesus in any sphere, whether you're single, married, divorced, separated. Because it's out of that that you can make sense of everything else. If that's missing, then you'll have, or rather, you'll always have the temptation to go and become carnal and be in the flesh. But by walking with Jesus, when those things rise up, it helps helps you to have perspective. So... For me, it's not, why is the church always taking Joe? I, I don't feel like that. Um, not so much in the last 12 months. He hasn't traveled much. But previously, he traveled a lot. And there was one time when he traveled, and my son had a really, really bad accident that meant he had to be rushed into A, and it was, it was horrific. And I tried calling him. I couldn't get through to him. The, it, was, it was a nightmare situation. But I didn't feel like, oh, God, why did you let this happen? Because I'm walking with him, so yeah, I was sad, I was stressed and all the rest of it, but I got my sense and my centre from walking with the Lord. Do you, you see what I'm saying? So even though he does travel a lot, not recently, and when he goes, as he's walking out the door, I'm filling up with tears and it's horrible and it's, it's horrible. I hate when he's away. Um, I remember once he was travelling, someone tried to break in a few days before he went. And it was like, oh great, that's all I need. Um, but it's like, no, I can't allow myself that luxury. And every time he traveled, I killed five mice in one day. Grace. <laughs> and I had to kill those mice. So I didn't have the luxury to be afraid of mice. I had to just figure it out of me and the Lord. Do you know what I mean? So it might sound like, oh, okay, it sounds very airy free. But I'm telling you, the only way you can make sense of some of the madness that you face in ministry is because you're walking with, Lord, with the Lord, and that is what centers you and communicating. Communicating with your husband and communicating in a way that is respectful and honoring and not like with an attitude or with resentment because the Lord won't honor that. He will just, it just won't work. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, if it's a church thing that you're not happy about, then first of all, you need to check yourself to make sure you're in the right attitude and the right spirit. And you'll get that because you're walking with him and your sheep know his voice. And then you just speak to them and say, Look, honey, this is how I'm feeling. And be open because you might be in the wrong or you might be in the right. But sometimes you don't know, but it's communication. And and that helps. Because it might be that maybe they are neglecting you, but because you're approaching them in the right spirit, they'll see it and then they'll apologize and put it right. Or it might be actually, no, this is part of the cost of ministry. That's why when young people, when single people say, yeah, I want to marry a pastor, I want to marry, I just look at them sideways and think, really? (laughs) Okay.
0: Yeah, we're good. We're good for marriage. Yeah. All right. Um, Esther, Esther, Esther had her hand up. Actually.
2: Um, yes, I really agree with so much of what's been said. In fact, a lot, everything. But what I'd like to ask is how we're devoting ourselves to prayer. Because for me, I, I don't know about everyone else, but I get seasons and I'm really on it. I'm praying. It's fine. And then other seasons, it's not happening. I'm just tapping into that time that you know, protected time. It just, it's. so I must say that part is hard. You know, sometimes it's great, but other times. And how do you cope with that? Sure.
0: I I mean, I would say this about that side. Wait, wait, Peter, wait. I would say this about that side of things, that it is not easy to consecrate yourself to the Lord as a lifestyle. And prayer is part of that consecration. But like everything else, It is important that you learn the discipline. And it takes time. You have to give yourself time to develop in prayer. And there is no such thing as, I've developed in prayer now, so what's the next thing? No, there's no such thing. It is a lifestyle commitment. Um, And it's like anything else. If you train yourself to make it important, when you don't do it, it's just one day I didn't do it, and then you just do it the next day. Um, you don't get hung up with the fact that I didn't pray today. You just next day you just pray. Um, and that's what I'm talking about. And, and even if you haven't prayed for the last three days, the following day you just start. Um, and, and I think if you approach your prayer life as a lifestyle whereby there will be times when you'll be, it'll be, you'll be on it, like you said, and then there will be other times when you will not be on it. And not think that you're some strange person. You're not a real Christian. Everybody I know, I mean, I don't know about the Lord Jesus himself, but everybody I know of who prays a lot struggles in prayer. You know, it is is normal. It's part of the dynamic. And so I just want to encourage you to just make it a priority. The enemy's biggest thing on you would be to get you not to take the step. The effort involved in making a decision to devote yourself to prayer is hard. I know. You know And then after you make the effort, you may go on this, this super binge of, "Yes, we are praying, we pray for one hour, yes, we pray for one hour, for three days," and then you might be back to what you con- call square one. It's OK. It's a journey. And you keep, I've learned, you ask God for grace. Give me, help me to pray, help me to pray, help me to pray. Help me to pray. Just keep praying that prayer for one year, and you'll see something. Just help me to pray. Help me to pray. Help me to pray for one year, and you see what happens. Okay, Enoch had his hand up. Austin had his hand up, and then I think we're going to begin to wind things down. Okay? Um, I need some direction in terms of what's happening with the food and everything. You know?
4: My, my question is a simple one. Uh, it follows on from what Aisha shared, and perhaps I'll precursor that with a little bit. There's statement. a lot
0: of big words today free cursor
4: go on with a little statement um which which is this um we have been raised in a very individualistic society and we've been raised in a society where women's rights have been pushed propagated to a very high extent so when when pastor isha says um a few keywords that she mentioned in what she was saying she said um things like um the head of your house, the head of your the head of your home, making sure you're in the right spirit when you're speaking to, and agreeing things with the head of your home. I would just like for just to expound a little bit on that, just to benefit our ladies who are. No, 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 no. no. I'm not being funny. I'm not being funny. I'm not being funny, because when you read the scriptures. And key, key figures are mentioned in the scriptures. It says, and his mother was. And his mother was. It is not a simple mission. It's not a simple task. If you want to get it right, if you want to get it to hit a certain level, there are certain changes in attitude and mind that you are going to have. Or you can just have the ordinary. It's your choice. So, Pastor Aisha, could you expound on that, please? How do you relate to... Um, When you say, to your head, how do you relate to your husband? What does that mean to you?
1: (laughs) Okay, I'll make this as quick as I can. First of all, if you're single, any man you choose to marry, you need to know you can respect him enough to submit to him. No matter how pretty he is or how big his muscles are, if you cannot with your hand on your heart say that I can submit to this man without the words getting stuck in your throat, you probably should wait. That's the first thing. The second thing is submission is something that I do primarily because I love Jesus. Let me qualify. The scripture says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Because of how Joe loves me, and gives himself for me, and loves me selflessly, yeah. it makes it easier for me to submit to him, because I feel safe, all right? But even if he didn't, even if he was a nightmare to live with, and he was just like doing my head in all the time, the scripture says, wives submit to your own husbands, as unto the So if I, as a woman, have an issue of submission to my husband, it's symptomatic that I have a problem of submission to the... It's as simple as that. Does that mean that everything he says, he says, jump, and I say, how high? No, but I will make my position clear about an issue, but then ultimately, we'll go for what he says. But because he's a wise man, and the scripture says, submit to one another... There are times I might say something which he hadn't thought of. And you think, actually, babes, do you know what? What you're saying makes more sense. Let's do that. But when it comes to the issue of submission, I see that as part of my worship to God. Because I know the Lord's watching me. And if I want to have authority in my life, I need to be under authority. Because you can say the right thing in the wrong way, and you've, you've missed it. Do you see? And so... God deals with spiritual authority so importantly. It, it, it's, it's a big deal for God. And so it's better if you have a problem with submission that you don't get married and then rather than get married and then you're fighting your husband because the Lord will just be looking at you because he, he doesn't, them kind of things, he doesn't joke with authority and submission. So I Thank don't you. want to keep going Thank on, you. So. Thank
0: you. All right. One more and then we're done. Austin, you had your hand up. Are you, Enoch. Okay, no, forget it. No, 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 no forget it. All right. Um, can, we just, can we just pray and just bless you and we'll also bless the food as well. I want to say thank you so much for your time. We're going to break for an hour and then we'll come back and Prof will be ministering to us. Um, we'll have a time of worship and, and Prof will be ministering. And before we bring this evening to a conclusion, Father, I want to thank you so much for your precious people.